You may be seated. Good morning, Coastal Church. Great to see you guys this morning. And uh, we're in week two of our Beyond series. So do me a favor, if you have your Bible, turn with me uh, to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, we're going to start with our theme verse, but that's where we're going to park, Hebrews 11. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in a chair in front of you. And I encourage you to turn to Hebrews, and you can follow along with me. Do me a second favor, do me another favor, get out your bulletin. All right, there's a ton of information, so I just want to give you a little bit of an update before we dive into our text, okay? Inside of your bulletin is your uh, small group notes, okay, or your note sheet. That'll help prepare you for your small group. If you're not in a small group, it's not too late. All right, I want to give you a little bit of an update on what we're doing with this series. Of course, we're uh, moving as a church together to try to purchase um, the what I'm calling the old Kroger building and, Lord willing, the, the new home of Coastal Community Church, okay? And uh, so get this out, okay? This is your roadmap, and uh, and so just a reminder, okay? We're on week two, uh, on May the tenth. As a church, we're going to bring our pledges in towards this campaign, okay? And and then on May 17th, we're going to bring our first offering uh, towards uh, the purchasing of the Kroger building, okay? So that's kind of your roadmap that's laid out on the one side, okay? On the back side are just some updates that we want you to be aware of. We're going to keep uh, putting the updates in the bulletin so that you know what's going on as best as we know, okay? And so uh, we're continue, continuing to... Well, so here's the good news. Here's the good news from this week, okay? Uh, Friday, we actually signed the contract. Okay, let's move past that. All right, so we signed the contract. So close to you have a contract on the building. And uh, and so what that means is uh, really the, the onus is on us moving forward to do our due diligence and to raise the funds that we need to raise. And so, and so that's where we are, okay? And so the rest of this sheet uh, is us. You can move on. I said that a couple times now. So uh, we can move on. Um, so, yeah, so the rest is on us doing our due diligence, okay? The second thing we got this week is our architectural rendering. So, yeah, look at that. That's the draw of the building. Uh, phase one is going to be on your right. Phase two, future phases, is on the left, okay? And uh, we actually have that rendering out at one of the kiosks, so you can study it on your own. Got that late in the week as well. And uh, super exciting, okay? Lots of children's space. Uh, room for an indoor play place, coffee shop, and almost a 900-seat auditorium as we grow. So uh, a lot of room for growth. And then the left side will be youth and small group space, uh, some meeting space, prayer chapel, and some, other, and some other great opportunities for Coastal Community Church. Pretty exciting, right? Uh, yeah, so and then so just the rest, you know, be praying for our bank. We're going to be finishing up, uh, moving forward with our bank. Uh, they're going to order a lot of the inspections along the way to make sure that uh, we're not buying a lemon. We'll find all that out before closing, okay? Um, and then, you know, again, some of the stuff I talked about last week about HVAC and the roof, that stuff we're already aware of. And... Um, and kind of this kind of came up this week in a question like, if we find out this building's a lemon, okay, we still have an escape clause. Does everybody understand that? Like, we're not on the hook for a $5 million purchase if, if it's a lemon, okay? So that's what we're in the process of doing, really finalizing that and making sure we got a, a solid building that will house the church for many, many years to come, okay? The second thing in your bulletin, okay, this is your commitment card, okay, that you guys are praying about. And, and we kind of talked about that last week. So everybody get your yellow card out. A little bit warm in here today anyway, so let's do this, okay? So uh, let me just talk about this quickly, and then we'll jump into our sermon this morning, okay? First of all, the first thing I want to bring your attention on this commitment card, it's an 18-month commitment, okay? Okay. Um, 
Now, most churches, when they do fundraisers like this, uh, they do 36 months, okay? Most churches ask for a three-year commitment. We're asking for an 18-month commitment, and here's the reason why. Number one, okay, we believe we're going to continue to grow, okay? So our growth trajectories through the last three or four or five years have been uh, really healthy, and we believe we're going to continue to grow. So we want to incorporate uh, the new people that God's going to send our way into phase two. Does that make sense? Uh, so I just didn't want you to get 18, 20 months from now and go, man, I can't believe they're doing this again, and we are going to do it again. The second thing is we want to move quick, as quickly as we can to phase two, right, and build out our youth space, and, and, and then we'll have a better handle on what our needs are there, and we can communicate that better with you. So, so you know, we will be doing probably beyond phase two kind of thing, all right, uh, so just be attuned to that. Second thing is, I've already heard from many of you, like, hey, I'm going to be away in May, or some of the college students have contacted us and say, we want to be involved, and, and, you know, we're getting, this is probably our last week. Is this your last week, CNU students? Why are you cheering? We're not happy about that at Coastal, okay? So, uh, yeah, so we'll be praying for you guys with your exams this week and some William & Mary folks, and, and really all our college students are coming down the home stretch. But if you want to be involved, take this card. You can fill it out. You can drop it in the offering plate today, okay, or at any time when you know, hey, I'm going to be away between now uh, and May the 10th, okay? And then the final thing is on the, this, this, uh, this, t uh, this card is perforated so that you can tear it off, and uh, you can remind yourself uh, about your commitment and be praying about your commitment. And then on the back of the card is how you can do online giving. And I kind of hit on, hit on that last week. And, and uh, there's the instructions on that if, if that's how you would like to donate to the Beyond series. Okay, so that's where we are, all right? Exciting, exciting times. Uh, had a great prayer night last week. Uh, I'm sorry if you missed it. Man, we had an awesome time. And, and uh, just continue to pray as God leads us as a congregation, all right? Uh, this morning, I want to challenge us uh, with our faith, because there is a faith element to this journey, right? And, uh, and we've been unpacking this verse out of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Last week, we talked about how you know, everything that we do is for the glory of God, and Paul specifically talks about glory to God in the church as, we, as, the, as the pillar or the, or the vehicle to lift up the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? And so this week, we want to talk about how there's this faith element in the journey, and as you're praying about your participation in the Beyond series, there's a faith, a faith element to this, okay? So I want to show you this morning a, an illustration by uh, pastor and author Francis Chan. I've actually used this illustration before, uh, but I just think it's a great start for us to ask the question, man, are we going through life safe, soft, easy, and comfortable? Watch this. So I'm in junior high, my mom's dead, my stepmom's dead, my dad's dead. The only close relatives I had were my, my aunt and uncle, George and Sandra. And then when I was in high school, they got in a fight, and my uncle George shot and killed my aunt, and then stuck the gun to his own head, killed himself. So I'm 16 years old, and this is life to me, going, man, what's next? Everything seems to be falling apart, and we get a little worried, we get a little scared. And this is what Christians do. You know, they try to serve God, but then things get a little rocky. And things get a little unstable. And so we go, okay, that was nuts. I don't, I don't want to live like that. Let me, uh, let me hold on. And this is your routine. This is what so many people do. They go, you know what? I'm not going to try anything crazy. I'm just going to sit here. And uh, I'm just 
going to hold on. And uh, this is what you look like. You just go, uh, this is what people do. You know what? I'm just going to have my nice little family. We're just going to, um, you know, we're just going to keep to ourselves. We're going to live in a gated community. I'm going to homeschool my kids, make them wear helmets everywhere. I'm going to, um, you know, I'm not going to let him outside because son has bad rays. I'm going to, um, you know, just on and on and on. And you just live your life in the safety of, I don't want to do anything crazy for God. I just, I just want to, you know, go to church on Sundays and maybe give like 2% um, and uh, maybe serve health and nursery because I feel guilty. And then you do this your whole life. And then you, you go, your greatest prayer is like, God, you know what? I would love to die in my sleep and not even feel it and then just go up to heaven. And so you want to die like this. Just in your sleep, ooh, right in the middle of a dream, good dream, a dream where you're going to heaven and you don't even feel it. And then suddenly you wake up, you stand before the judge and you go. Hmm. <laughs> now, if, uh, could you imagine, could you imagine watching the Olympics? You know? And some girl does that. Just gets up there, starts straddling the thing, and then steps off and goes... <laughs> what is the judge supposed to do on the card? You see, and to me, I go, man, that's the routine that so many Christians are headed for. That's the routine, the boring, I do nothing crazy because I don't want to fall. I, I, that's the routine that they're going to live, and then one day it's going to be a shock because they're going to step off that balance beam and realize they're standing before the judge. They're standing before the judge, and you think he's going to look at that routine and go, Wow, well done. Well done. You lived the safest life possible. You didn't slip. You didn't fall. See, that's not the life that God's called us to. That's where the majority will head. But I don't want to go where the majority goes. This morning, the call is going to be to be dangerous. How many of y'all go, just show the rest of that sermon, Pastor Sean. We're engaged. You got us, right? Let me start with the gospel this morning. So let me give you a little freedom because I watch that, man. I'm, I'm cut to the quick a little bit with my laziness, right? Here's the gospel message. The gospel message is that Jesus came, did the routine for us, jumped off the beam, stood before the judge, and the judge said, 10, right? And by grace through faith, the 10 is credited to me as righteousness. Isn't that good news? But here's the thing. Because of that, we now have the freedom to be dangerous, Right? Yes, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. However, with the same God that encouraged that Jesus lived for and kept the law completely, we are now attempting in our uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit now within us as Christians to walk the journey of Christ to be more like Jesus Christ. And so now we get to get on the beam and live for the glory of God. Does that make sense? Not as an earning thing. It's been earned. But we believe that we can bring God glory, which we started with last week, as we live for him and as we live dangerously for the gospel of Christ. So let me start this morning with a couple assumptions, okay? Because sometimes this is, I'm just going to like 
cut to the chase here, okay? This morning is about our Beyond series. I'm kind of assuming that as a church, you understand we voted to do this together. So I'm preaching this sermon with a couple assumptions this morning, okay? I'm preaching this sermon with the assumption that you are beginning to pray through your financial gift to the Beyond series. Does that make sense? That's one of my assumptions. I, I'm, I'm assuming... That you're as equally excited about this journey in the Beyond series and the opportunity is laid in front of us as I am. Like this journey for you is exciting. That's one of my assumptions this morning. I'm assuming that God is beginning to lay a number on your heart that you want to donate to this so that, but this number kind of scares you a little bit. That's my assumption this morning, okay? So if that's not where you are, go just check yourself out. Like, no, I'm not, he is not talking to me this morning, okay? So it could be, all right, that could be. But I'm assuming that you're officially on the journey of faith. Faith is, is living with God's sovereignty wrapped around us, his power to show his glory all through our lives. It's going to require that you ask the question, how can my life be lived in obedience to God's word in order to bring him greatest glory? I'm kind of assuming you're beginning to ask that question on this journey. How do I bring glory to God through my life? And we're going through this together. And I think we recognized last week, like we talked about, hey, the vision that God has given us, like it's so big that if we don't link arms together, we're not going to accomplish the vision unless we're all a part of it. Does that make sense? And so I'm working with these assumptions this morning. I'm hoping that you're beginning to memorize Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21. Check this out. This is our theme verse. Now, all glory to God. We're going to bring worship. We're going to bring glory to God in all things, Paul says. Now, all glory to God. Who is what? What's it say? Who is able. Circle that. Okay, circle that in your notes because that's, that's where we're parking this morning. And all glory to God who is able through his mighty power work within us. That's where we're going to park next week. To accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Today we're going to park on the idea of our God who is able. We're on this journey. We're going to talk about this, this idea that, that we trust God. What does it mean that God is able? We're talking about his power. We're talking about his capability to fulfill his promises and, and, and fulfill what his character demands. In other words, when God calls us to something, he enables us to fulfill it. Does that make sense? And so I'm kinda, I kind of took this word, he is able, and I said, this is really a faith step. The idea of he is able means that we are trusting that God's character and God's commands are true. And so we can follow him in a dangerous life. We don't have to be safe, soft, easy, and comfortable because God is able to fulfill what he's called us to do. Does that make sense? And so when I think about faith, my mind immediately goes to Hebrews chapter 11. And if you're not familiar with the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11 is often called the hall of faith because it lists all these men and women who lived on planet Earth, some of their stories you know, and it reminds us that they lived by faith in the person and character and the promises of the God that they worship. Does that make sense? So let's park in Hebrews 11. Right out of the chute in Hebrews 11, and I encourage you to take this chapter home and read it for yourself today. Okay, we're, gonna, we're just going to look at a couple individuals this morning. Hebrews 11, verse 6. And it is what? What's it say? It's impossible to please God 
without faith. This is a challenge to me, okay? Some of y'all, you know, I I love Jesus' command of how we love God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like, I kind of default to the mind side of things. And and, and by the way, I think American Christianity probably doesn't go there uh, often enough, you know? We kind of go to a feeling thing or a mystical thing too too frequently. And I think we need to love God with our minds. But I default there. And I got to be reminded, man, there's a faith part of this. There are parts of this journey that when we pursue Christ and then we believe the character and the promises of God, there are things that God does that, man, they can't easily be explained. In fact, they'll never be explained unless you step out in faith and watch God fulfill his promises. And Hebrews reminds us, it is impossible to please God without faith. So this morning, I want, I want to look at three, three or four people and just tell their story, and then I want to see these people through the eyes of Hebrews chapter 11. The first person is the person of Noah, okay? I want to talk about Noah's story of faith. And you know, and you guys know, probably, you know, even if you're new to church, you've probably heard these stories before, right? But the story of Noah is that God, uh, the, the, the planet had become evil. There was one person that was being faithful to God. It was Noah and his family, and, and the Bible says, Genesis says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and so so God, because he found grace with God, he told Noah, hey, I want you to build a big boat, okay, or an ark, and, and, and you're gonna, I'm going to save your family, but I'm going to judge the rest of the world. Now, you can kind of pick up from the text, seems to indicate that it took Noah about 100 years to build this boat. Think about that, right? All the other neighbors are running around, they're building their house, they're building their 401ks, they're doing their thing, right? And Noah is deploying all his resources to build a large boat, and they've never seen a flood yet. And people probably go, they probably had a heyday with that guy, right? Like, man, what are you doing? A boat? I mean, we're, like, we're, we're in the middle of the continent. You know, I don't even see any water anywhere. What's the deal with you? His neighbors are making fun of him. But Hebrews gives us a little commentary on Noah and what he was thinking. Hebrews 11, verse 7. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. And he obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened when? Before. Ever. Right? And here's the principle I want you to draw from this. Living by faith is living with an eternal perspective. Living by faith means we live with an eternal perspective, that you kind of have this understanding that, man, I have 70 or 80 years of my life to reflect the glory of God and and be a part of making Jesus Christ famous. And last week, we talked about how God brings glory to himself through the church that lifts up the gospel of Christ, and I I get to be a part of that. Living by faith is this understanding that, man, there's something bigger going on with my life than just the here and now. There's an eternity part to this. And we have this this very short season to make Christ famous. Because I I live with a bigger perspective. Noah believed God about things he had never seen before. It's like the idea that one day we're going to stand before the God of the universe and we're going to give an account. You better be found clothed in the righteousness of Christ and not in your own works because the holiness of God will consume you. There's a judgment coming. We've never seen that before. We live with an eternal perspective. The second story I want you to see this morning is, the, is Abraham's story. A lot of you guys know the story of Abraham. I've used him as an example, especially in the fall and wintertime. I used him at Abraham's story. 
I want to talk about a little different part of Abraham's story, not just when him and Sarah conceived, okay, and, and Romans chapter 5 spends a lot of time on that, okay, but there was a second part to the story that after uh, Abraham had his son Isaac, right, that uh, that was the son that was promised to Abraham. There was going to be a great nation. Abraham knew that was the promise of his son Isaac, right? But then in, in Genesis chapter 22, God, God does something, okay? His son's born. He's growing up now. And so Abraham... In Genesis 22, verse 1 says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's what? Okay. I think this would indicate there's going to be times that your faith will be tested. There's going to be times you, God is going to say, hey, there's something difficult I want you to do. I want to see if you're going to trust me on this. And so God called Abraham, if you know the story here in Genesis chapter 22, God called Abraham to sacrifice his own son, which, by the way, has huge New Testament implications, does it not? It's a picture of our Heavenly Father's sacrifice for us. And so Abraham, if you know the story, goes on a three-day journey with his son Isaac. They get all the way to the top of the mountain where God had told Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. Isaac even verbalizes at one point. He says, Dad, I see the firewood and I see the fire, but I don't see a sacrifice, right? And Abraham says, well, well you know, God's, God's going to provide. That's what he tells his son. And he gets to the top. He builds the altar, sets the fire, and he ties his son up. And he's about to lay his son on the altar, and he draws a knife. To sacrifice his son. Well, do you ever do you ever stop there and at that point in the story and go, what was Abraham thinking? Right? It's either he was dealing with a 14-year-old kid. I get that. Like, <laughs> just kidding. All right. So now here's what Abraham was thinking, right? It was by faith. This is this is Hebrews commentary on the life of Abraham. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Now, let me stop here. Let me make sure you know the whole story of Abraham. As Abraham was about to sacrifice his son, God verbally stopped him and provided a sacrifice. He said, Abraham, now I know you trust me. It says, Abraham, who had received God's promises was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the, is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. So let me stop here before I read the end of Hebrews. Everybody look at me, okay? Abraham has two commands of God that seem to be in conflict, right? Go sacrifice your son, and I'm going to build a great nation out of you. So Abraham was trying to figure this out. Like, God's not going to do something. He's not going to fulfill something he hadn't already promised, right? So here, Hebrews gives us some insight into the thinking of Abraham. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. Think about it. He's going he's to bring my son back. That's the only thing I can figure out here, how God's going to fulfill these two promises. Here's the principle. Living by faith is knowing that you serve a big God. I mean, the only way Abraham, in my mind, could conclude that God's going to bring his son back to life is he understood, man, my God is a big God. He's able to go outside the box and do things bigger than I can even imagine. He trusted that God was in control. That's what Abraham trusted. He trusted in God's sovereignty. By the way, that's the side note there. He's trusting God's sovereignty. In other words, that's the character of God he trusts in. God was in control. God knows what he's doing. 
God does things that we can't understand. Yet, Abraham also trusted in the promises of God. So he trusted in the character of God, and he trusted in the promises of God. When God says something, you can take it to the bank. He never doubted that, that Isaac was the son of promise, and he never doubted what God could, could raise him from the dead. Now, church, this goes to my assumptions this morning, right? We, we've agreed as a congregation that God has called us to do something. It's bigger than any one of us can do together. And so the question is, and I've been challenging you, is are we, we going to be a part of giving sacrificially to what God has called us to do? Because Abraham understood, man, my God is a God of miracles. My God is a God of miracles. Because I believe my God can raise my son from the dead. Can I do it by the way right now? By the way, if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, guess what you believe? You believe God raises people from the dead, do you not? Abraham was a type of what we believe today. He taught us to believe the very thing that all of us, you're gathered here this morning, you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you believe the importance of the local church to lift up the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ so people can have hope and purpose and joy and eternal life. You believe all of that. You believe the same thing Abraham believed. God raises people from the dead if he wants to. Right? And so knowing that we have a big God and and, and our God is a God of miracles, why, why do we have such a hard time waiting on the timing of God sometimes? Maybe there's a promise, but the timing's not quite the way we'd want it. Why do we have such a hard time waiting, sharing our faith with someone? Why, why is it that we, we worry? Why do we import tomorrow's problems into today? Why, why is it that we have such a hard time being generous? I mean, really being generous. Why is it that we have a hard time believing that it is likely that God is going to call us to take radical steps of obedience from time to time. By the way, God's word and God's promises are not like suggestions. Right? Not the, they're not the ten suggestions. Okay? This is God's character. This is who God is. God calls us to be like him in Christ. God's call. God's promises are to be obeyed because you know why? When we obey Christ and we obey God and his promises and we obey his commands, it displays the glory of God through us. And God shows off who he really is when we trust God is a big God. Third story I want you to see this morning is the story of Moses. Now, I'm going to flip-flop this one, okay? I'm going to read to you what Hebrews says about Moses and then I'm going to retell you the story, okay? I got to do this. I can't see. Anyway, here we go. Ready? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead, enjoying the fle- instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who was invisible. 
It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and sprinkle blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. Now, when I read that, about the life of Moses and how Hebrews gives perspective to the life of Moses. I read that and I go, man, Moses, he must have been like a faithful juggernaut, right? Like he never doubted and he never worried and he never wavered. But then I open my Bible and I read Exodus 1 through 4. And I see kind of the details of the story and how it's fleshed out. And I realize that the only reason that Moses escaped from Egypt and didn't enjoy the pleasures of Egypt is that he had murdered someone. He was, he, he was, he was, uh, uh, word got out that he'd murdered someone. And everyone, he was afraid he was going to get locked up. So he ended up in the, in the desert for 40 years, tending sheep. When God finally shows up and says, hey, I want you to lead my people out of uh, oppression from the Egyptians, he comes up with every excuse in the book to not do what God had called him to do. He says, I can't do it. How are they going to believe who sent me? What if they don't believe my story? And he finished with, his final excuse was, uh, I don't talk too good. All right? I mean, he kind of went through all these litany of excuses. Yet Hebrews says, man, this guy was a faithful juggernaut. And what encourages me out of that is that God uses ordinary, murderous, broken people to display his glory. And the big picture is, man, they journeyed in faith. Isn't that cool? In fact, if you read all of Hebrews 11, which I would encourage you to do, man, I mean, you got adultery and murder. and Like, these people are a mess. These are not people that have it together. These are people that are messed. Yet when God called them to do something that seemed a little bit out of the ordinary, they obeyed God. Here's the principle. It's normal to be nervous when living by faith. Isn't that encouraging? It's normal to be. Moses was nervous. Faith requires a little bit of courage. Faith is not a feeling. Faith does not mean that it feels natural. Faith is kind of counterintuitive. I was watching this week, I was watching, my kids were watching um, a, a movie that's inspired me a lot, the movie Cars. And um, <laughs> there's a great scene in there where Lightning McQueen is held captive in a small town and he races the local judge, Doc Hudson, who's this old car, and we find out later in the movie, spoiler if you haven't seen it, he's, he's a very famous race car. And so, and so him and Doc Hudson are on this dirt track, right, and they do this race, and Lightning McQueen goes peeling around this dirt track, and he, he goes to make a left turn, and he skids off the track, right? And so a couple days later, Doc Hudson goes down this dirt track, and he sees Lightning McQueen trying to figure out why he can't make this left turn on this dirt track, and he keeps sliding off, keeps sliding off. Finally, Doc Hudson pulls him aside, and he says, listen, McQueen, sometimes on a dirt track, you got to turn right to go left so that your back end kind of comes around the curve and you can make a turn. you got to turn right to go left. And so Lightning McQueen takes the advice of the old guy and says, oh, man, that's really helpful, right? If you know the movie, that's not what he does. He mocks him, right? He goes, oh, yeah, turn right to go left. I guess that works great in opposite world, you know, and he kind of does this whole thing and this whole spiel. And, uh, and so my kids were kind of channel surfing the other day, and this was on, and it came to the scene where Lightning McQueen's on his final race, and it's the big three cars, and he's trying to win, and he gets bumped on this big track in Los Angeles, and he goes into the dirt, and, and the announcers say, it looks like the race is over for Lightning McQueen. It looks like he's going to be knocked out of the race. But then Lightning McQueen remembers what Doc Hudson had taught him. Hey, when you're in the dirt, sometimes you got 
to turn right to go left. And he, so he turns right, and he skids around. He ends up back on the track. And as you know, he had an opportunity to win the race. I spoil all right. I'm sorry if I ruined it for you. But, uh, <laughs> but I remembered as I was watching that this week, I was like, oh, yeah, he learned that from Doc, McC- uh, uh, from Doc Hudson because sometimes faith is like that. It's counterintuitive. God's going to sometimes tell you, hey, you got to go right to go left. Sometimes your blessings come when you give it away. Huh? That's right to go left. There's all kinds of things in our spiritual journey, man, where it's kind of counterintuitive. And, and Moses learned that. It's not that it's not scary from time to time, but sometimes you've got to turn right to go left. Because God moves when we move in faith. Right? By the way, we're talking about Moses, right? When did the, when did the waters part in the Red Sea? When he put a foot in. Sometimes you got to put a foot in, turn right to go left, and then God moves. And then you see the kind of the part of it that you could never do on your own. And that's when God gets glory. Does that make sense? And so then the question becomes, and we just looked at three people, like what, what were they seeing that made them obey God in faith when it, when it seemed counterintuitive? What does faith really see? And Hebrews says this in Hebrews 11, verse 13. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance, and they welcomed it, and they agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Here's what this means. Faith means that our hearts are not captured by the things of earth. Remember, I said that in... um, on Easter Sunday, I kind of talked about how, man, we get captured by the here and now. Now, here's the principle, right? Here's what faith sees. Faith is knowing that life is a temporary assignment to make an eternal difference. Faith is knowing that life is a temporary assignment to make an eternal difference. Faith is being captured by God and his gospel and his beauty and his love for us. Faith is being so captured that living our lives to anything less than the obedience to God's word is unthinkable. Because we want to bring glory to God. Because our lives are a temporary assignment to make an eternal difference. And I think so few of us live by faith because we fail to consider, you know what, this is not my home. I'm a stranger. I'm a nomad. I'm passing through. I have 70 or 80 years, but God's got something unbelievable for me. I'm just passing through. And I have these 70 or 80 years to make a difference for the glory of God and to lift up the gospel of Christ. So let me apply this practically, then we'll close with prayer. Because here's the question I'm asking. As a church, is God calling us to a new location? Man, we've given a lot of time, a lot of prayer, a lot of thought on all the reasons I've listed, space and location and legacy and feeding the hungry, and on and on. But the bigger question for me is, God calling us to do this? And if so, is God able to provide? If God is calling, is God able? That's the question. Paul says this, now all glory to God, who is what, church? He's able. Next week, we're going to unpack the idea, through his mighty power, at work within us. I want to tell you guys a story, and then we'll close with prayer. I, uh, behind the scenes, this journey with this Kroger building has been interesting. For me, it's been an emotional roller coaster. You know, one day good news, one day bad news, one day good. 
Spinnerman, and I was talking to my parents this week, and I said a lot of people say it's two steps forward, one back. I feel like the percentages were much different. It's more like 10 steps forward, nine back, okay, or whatever the percentage. That's how it felt like to me. And so um, <clears throat> the story I'm about to tell you happened right around the time I was sharing with you guys this opportunity months ago. So I just we just started to share as a church this opportunity, and behind the scenes, it's one forward or two forward, one back, two forward, one back, you know, and you're just wondering, is this all going to work out? You know, are we ever going to get to a contract even? And, and, um, and during that time, one of those days where I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work out, there was a lady that came into our offices. Now, um, I got permission to share this story from her, but it's a lady that, that uh, I'm not going to give you her name, but she was a longtime member of Coastal Community Church. She had moved to Williamsburg, and the drive to Coastal just got too much for her to be able to do ministry. And so she came to me one day, and she said, hey, listen, I think I'm going to look for another church in Williamsburg. I love this church, kind of peaceful, all good, right, peaceful party. I said, prayed with her. I said, yeah, my blessing. Uh, this hadn't seen this lady in years. I didn't even see her this Particularly, she came in the office. I don't think I was there. She met with our director of operations, Bethany Lay, and she said this. She says, um, God has laid it on my heart. I need to fulfill my time is now commitment. Now, for those of you who don't know, when we were in the school over at Grafton High School before we moved here, we did a three-year fundraising campaign just like we're doing now with Beyond. And we called it the time is now because we felt like the time was now to leave the school and build a building and be here. And so she had made a pledge, okay? But she was a businesswoman. Her business went belly up during the recession. It was really, really hard. And, I, and I, apparently, I did not know that she wasn't able to fulfill her pledge. But she came in a couple weeks ago, and she said, I want to fulfill, to Bethany, I want to fulfill my pledge. And so she said, could you look up and see how much I pledged? I don't even remember. And so Bethany looked it up, and, and she said, uh, how much of it did I fulfill? And she said, well, you gave... Uh, $1,900 towards your pledge. And so Bethany then said, well, <clears throat> you know, how do you want to fulfill it? You, you want to make payments? He goes, no, I, I want to fulfill it right now. And so at that moment, she gave, she gave the remainder of her $10,000 pledge to Coastal Community Church. She didn't even know what we were in the middle of. Isn't that crazy? And so I called her up and I thanked her and I said, you don't know what we're in the middle of, do you? And she said, no, I had no idea. She said, just God put this on my heart. She said, the funny thing was it was a, it was a gift. I had received a gift. It was money that I wasn't expecting. And so God kind of prompted me to be obedient to my pledge. I fulfilled the pledge. And she said, the way I saw it is I fulfilled the pledge, and I actually had $500 left over. So I just saw it as I had $500 I wasn't expecting, right? And so I asked her if I could share the story, and she said, you can share that story if it's going to help your church bring glory to God for the gospel of Christ. That's what she told me. And I tell you that to say we're on an adventure, right? We're on an adventure, but we have to have an internal perspective. We have to understand that we serve a big God who is able. We have to be obedient despite our nerves with an understanding that this life is a temporary assignment to make an eternal difference. And if we'll do that for the glory of God and the fame of Christ, think we'll see the vision God gave us be accomplished. And so I want to pray with you this morning. I want to pray that you will not see life as something to get through safe and soft and easy and comfortable, but an opportunity on a temporary assignment to display the glory of God through His church for the gospel of Christ. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this morning. Thank you for these men and women on Hebrews 11. They were not perfect men and women. They were normal men and women, but they obeyed you radically when you called them. 
And they followed you even when it was counterintuitive. They turned left when it seemed like the normal thing would be to turn right. God, we want to be that kind of people. We want to be mindful that this is not our home. We're passing through. We have this short season to uplift the gospel of Christ for the glory of God. And we're beginning to pray about our, our part in this journey. And, 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 and Lord, it's a little bit scary at times. Like, man, how's, how's, if I'm generous, how's God going to provide? And, and, and God, we're just mindful this morning. Oh, glory to God who is able. We know that you're able, God, and we lean into your character and we lean into your promises. God, you will provide when we trust you. Thank you for this church, God, and we want it to always lift up the gospel of Christ to impact people who will be worshipers of you for all eternity. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, church, this is our offering time. If you're a guest with us this morning, this was kind of family talk this morning. And so I want you to know we're not after your money, okay? Um, what we'd love to have from you is on the side of that bulletin is a tear-off. If you fill that out, we just want to send you a thank you card for coming. That's all we're going to do with that. Um, uh, if you're here this morning and your heart is heavy, you'd like to pray with someone, be ministered to in prayer, our prayer team will be up here uh, during the offering time and even after the service, okay? They'll be in the front row or up at the stage, and you can pray with them. Um, one of the things that we're doing throughout the series is we're putting together some videos of stories of people that got connected with God or reconnected with God uh, through the ministry of Coastal Community Church uh, while we're on this location. And my hope is you'll catch the vision that there's a group of people we haven't reached yet. And so as we move towards our new location, God's going to send us over the next five years a whole new group of people, man, that we get to reach with the gospel of Christ, okay? So I want you to see this person. This is Scott Shear. My name is Scott Shear, and I'm a member here at Coastal Community Church. Um, Coastal's mission statement says that uh, Coastal exists to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ uh, by connecting to God through corporate worship, uh, through growth in small groups, and by serving on a ministry or a missions uh, at Coastal. Um, one of the ways that God used uh, Coastal to help develop me into an authentic follower of Jesus Christ is by placing opportunities before me uh, where I've been called to step out of my comfort zone and to face fears in order to be bold for Christ. Many times I've asked God to use my life and my testimony to benefit his kingdom. Uh, I want my life to make a difference, and I want people to see the love of Christ in everything that I say and everything that I do. But with that desire, uh, I have uh, certain fears that I've had to face, uh, one being a fear of speaking in public, and also uh, feeling sometimes inadequately equipped to uh, participate in certain ministries and missions. Last November, I was asked to be a speaker on a panel for the College Coffee House. Um, God called me to be creative um, and to overcome my fear of speaking in public uh, to a large audience. Um, through the encouragement of my brothers in my small group, uh, through the encouragement of Pastor Sean, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, um, I overcame those fears. I was able to turn my trial into a triumph for Christ. Another of my fears is not having the proper words to speak and uh, wanting to share the gospel and of not having a skill uh, set that would be of benefit to uh, a missions trip. But once again, I'm gonna face those fears uh, through the encouragement of my brothers in my small group, uh, through the staff here at Coastal Community Church, through brothers and sisters that serve alongside me in several ministries here at Coastal, um, and through prayer as I take my first mission trip to Honduras this summer. This trip will give me the opportunity to be bold for Christ uh, by overcoming these fears, uh, 
being courageous and learning from others who have taken the trips before me. Um, and by uh, me stepping out and sharing my story and serving. Hebrews 13.21 says, May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And God is calling me to be bold for Christ, and he's equipping me through my connection, through my growth, and through my service here at Coastal Community Church. You guys stand with us. Praise is rising, eyes are turning to you. We turn to you. Hope is stirring, hearts are yearning for you. We long for you. When we see you find strength to face the day In your presence all our fears are washed away are Washed away Great afternoon.